You know what I love? Tell me, Sarah. I love librarians. Me too. And I love teachers and not just you. <laughs> We're going through it, librarians and teachers. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Um, everyone, this is going to be a... F- Serious slash fun one. Yes. A very special episode of Faded Mates, <laughs> I mean, if you will. We're we're uh, genre mixing <laughs> today. <laughs> um, listen, here's the truth. Everybody out there who reads romance and listens to Faded Mates, and I know most... Oh, Jen. Yes. My brother... Yes. <laughs> ...is like a regular listener now. Oh, my God. I love it. He's like, I listened to that KJ Charles episode and it was fascinating. My brother, you guys, who literally has never, I mean, like if there's kissing in something, he does not want it. Like, <laughs> get away from me, gross. Um, anyway, hi, Mark. <laughs> Happy to have you. You are listening to Fate of Mates. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels and I write them. And I'm Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader and editor. And this week... We are going to have like kind of two sections of the podcast today. We are re-welcoming Jarrett Dapier to the pod. We had him on in the book banning episode. He has some advice for everybody about what to do if you have an upcoming school board election in April. If you're not sure if you do, you should go to Rock the Vote. Actually, Sarah, this is her favorite voting. Listen, well, because here's the thing. When we were starting to vote in the 90s and Bill Clinton was running for president, Rock the Vote was freaking everywhere. Yeah, I had a Rock the Vote t-shirt. I had a poster on my wall that was Rock the Vote. I don't know where I got it all. I mean, they probably came to campus, right? I didn't even know if they did not even know they were still around. Neither did I. Listen, if you are out there and you work for Rock the Vote or you know somebody who works for Rock the Vote... Tell them they're doing a terrible job of reminding us that we exist. Although, to be fair, if you're out there and you're a college student on a campus somewhere and Rock the Vote is around, just say these old ladies don't know what they're talking about. You should ask Little Romance if he I will uh, is aware of Rock the Vote. But anyway, I was the one who made him Rock the Vote, so I don't think so. Okay. Maybe, it should be, <laughs> maybe they should rebrand TikTok the Vote. Oh, maybe. Social Except media the vote. You still need to like have the musicians as part of it. I think that was the whole thing. It's like yeah. Eddie Vedder came to campus. Yeah. <gasps> Eddie Vedder, come to my campus. <laughs> okay, here's the point. Jarrett is going to, I was like, we lost the plot. Jarrett is going to be on for like 15 minutes. Very quickly. Talk about these upcoming elections and what you can do. A lot more people seem to be more aware of the way that book banning is sweeping so many places and are kind of like, what do we do? And he is here to talk about what you should do. Y'all, the way they get us is by having off-brand elections for school board and uh, library board. And those off-brand elections in many states in the country are in the spring. Yes. So if you go to Rock the Vote and click on your, like your state on the map, it'll tell you if you have an upcoming election. And then you can like do your research. So Jared's going to talk about that. And then at the end, we are going to pivot to talking about... Not at the end. Then the main episode. Yeah. Then is... Right. Then the episode is us doing recs for books with teachers and librarians, but not teacher and student. Because not I my cannot... kind of teachers. Yeah. Just like Jen's kind of teachers. They're like normal people out there wanting to fall in love. <laughs> Somebody out there who has a romance podcast or like just wants to hang out and maybe talk like we could just 
we could just have a conversation about hot for teacher romances. I'm always available for that. You can always have me on. Yes, that's fine. There you go. <laughs> One day, maybe if Jed needs to take a break, I'll have someone on to talk about hot for teacher romances. All right. So let's have let's take it away with Jarrett, and then we're going to come back and talk about the Oscars. Oh, all right. We're going to do it after. And then recommend some Let's get to the teacher. important bits. Yeah, let's do the important stuff first. All right. Okay. Here we go. Welcome back to Jarrett Dapier. If you all remember, we had Jarrett on our big episode about why we should stop banning books. But in the interim, we have not stopped banning books. We ha- Many places have accelerated the yeah, banning of they, books. They did the opposite of what we told them to do. So but, that's how influential we are. <laughs> I know, the nerve. <laughs> exactly. But you know what? I think one of the things is, it's clear to me, is many more people are becoming aware of the problem and starting to wonder what they can do. And Jarrett wants to come back and talk to you all about what you can do. So, Jarrett, what can we do? Thanks for having me on again. And you're absolutely right that it is becoming much and more, it is becoming much more um, a problem that people are becoming aware of. Not thanks to the media. I think it's more thanks to social media and people um, also seeing it in their communities. So, um, while Huge pluralities of people in the American public do not want books to be banned in their school libraries and in their public libraries. They do not want their school libraries to be shut down, and they don't want their public libraries to be shut down. There are very small, very vocal, very well-organized and well-financed minorities, minority groups, um, specifically often white and Christian and um, you can say ladies, uh, heterosexual. You can say white Christian women. Fine. White Christian women, for sure. Um, and they're fighting for white Christian heterosexual values. And that's it. Um, they have, yeah, since we've last talked, they've amped up the pressures on school boards and local libraries to remove even more books from the school libraries. But now they're also turning their attention to defunding public libraries. And um, I think... They're not they won't say outright that they want their school libraries closed. Oh, no, because that would be too obvious. But they are making school librarian lives so hellacious that school librarians fear for their lives. And many are quitting or um, just doing whatever they're told to do to try and keep their jobs. So I'm really thankful that you had me on here today, because in just a few weeks on April 4th, many, if not, I think most Cities and towns are having local elections uh, and states, and uh, I wanted to come on here because your uh, listeners are so awesome and organized and caring um, to to really encourage everybody to look at who is running in their local elections, especially for school board. And if you have an elected public library board, absolutely become involved in that race um, because um Again, they've amped up the efforts to to remove books and they've amped up the efforts to shut down libraries and they're amping up efforts to get on more of those boards. How should people investigate this? So, for example, you, everyone listening, you may not realize or know that like one of the biggest groups doing this is called Moms for Liberty, which you might hear and think, well, that sounds nice. (laughs) <laughs> right and it is not nice so liberty is kind of a red flag word these I days guess, though. i guess it's true i guess it's true it i mean it is but i mean i i can understand why right like they're trying to hide their yeah i'm a mom i like freedom to read <laughs> exactly they don't and, want that though that yeah. they want right. the and they hide behind the um we just want parents rights yeah right my parents rights to tell everybody else what you to should do. know what your child is reading and like that's on you ma'am 
you know, like how can people find out? I think sometimes people get super overwhelmed with like, well, okay, it's just this random list of names. What do I do? I completely agree with you because I have trouble trying to find information about who's running where and when. Especially Um, about these like hyper local ones, right? Like a state election, I can find out. Like the mayor of Chicago, I can find out. But like my local school board, how do I know? Exactly. And I'm a, I'm a little um, privileged because in Evanston, we still have local newspaper. It's, it's published digitally, but it's still daily. So they cover all of this. If you have anything like that, turn to that first to see if there's any kind of forums or if there are any kind of, uh, you know, uh, candidate events. Um, but other than that, your district, um, your district website for your school district will have information on who's on the board. And it should have, um, it might be required to have how long those people are serving for. Um, and then from there, yeah, it's a matter of Googling. And it's it does take a little bit of work, but um, there also might be people in your community like librarians um, and teachers and school librarians who know because they are intimately involved in what's happening and are aware of what's coming down the pipe. Yeah, this does, this feels like one of those situations where Going into your local public library and asking a library media specialist to help you research this would be a thing they are able and trained to do. (laughs) And, you know, a lot of librarians these days um, are approached with questions about things like books on the shelf or do you have this? And they don't know if it's, you know, a good faith question or if there's something else going on. So. Make sure when you go in to say, like, I want to help this library to stay strong and progress and grow. So um, is there a library election coming up in April? And can you tell me anything about who's running and what's at stake? And um, I think I really do think you're right. That's the best place is start at the library. Um, Also, uh, this probably isn't news to a lot of listeners, but uh, Kelly Jensen at Book Riot has been for years just making lists and, and news items every single week that lists the censorship news of the week and it gets more and more horrifying as the years progress but kelly has got info on small little communities in louisiana utah iowa anytime i mean her ear is to the ground in an amazing way so check book riot censorship coverage a lot um and then if you are able to find out what's going on try to find like-minded parents like-minded uh residents friends to remind people to get out the vote, but also remind them that creepy Ron DeSantis in Florida, he is now trying to um, counter narrative what he's done and say, this is not about book banning at all. How could they do that? It's a hoax. So they are trying to, you know, pull a veil over their efforts. But we need to be very clear about the fact that they're not just going after the books people especially running for uh public library boards they are committed they're the the bad ones are committed to defunding libraries they want libraries to end this is not something that they support whatsoever and we just saw this in niles illinois a group of four people uh one seats the board and they wanted they just wanted to shut the whole place down but luckily citizens including teenagers parents of little ones uh, seniors, everybody got together and stormed those board meetings until one of the four quit because she just couldn't handle the noise and the the headache anymore. Now, state of Illinois has appointed a fourth board member who is pro-library. So luckily, Niles, for the moment, actually has a pro-library board. 
but there's an election coming up and they have to fight for those seats again. So if you want to keep your library and your town, get involved in this race. I mean, we've talked for years here about local elections being so important and especially when they occur in times like april when yes. nobody's thinking about nobody's elections voting. this is how they get us they they send their people out and these people are winning by margins of like four votes right and votes yeah. i mean because they just got more people more of the 26 people who <laughs> went to vote exactly. that day right so Pay attention to your local um, elections. I want to say two more things. We had extensive show notes on our last book banning episode where Jared was with us. Um, We'll put links to that episode and repeat all of those show notes in this week's episode so that you can have everything. There are tons of actionable items. Um, I want to say to romance specifically, these laws, we knew they were coming for us. They are officially here for us in Oklahoma. There is a bill on the floor right now of the Oklahoma House that will ban any text that has sexual activity inside it. Yes. That's us, you guys. That's romance novels. Um, So don't think that this is is only it, it, that this hasn't touched us. It's touching us now. Um, and I want to say to authors specifically, one, um, sending out you, so many of us send author newsletters all the time. This is the time for you to put something in about book banning, about getting involved um, before April. So if you have space in your newsletter, do that, activate your readership, tell them that it's about romance as well. We'll put links to the Oklahoma stuff in show notes. Um, And I want to say that for all of the authors who are out there going like, well, what can we do? How can we how can we help? The Authors Guild has a huge advocacy lobbying arm. Um, They you should join the guild. Join the guild, pay your dues, send a letter to the guild and they'll get their lobbyists involved. This is a thing where we need a vote. We need to give money to organizations that are combating all of this. And we we authors and others need to use the arms that we have um, yeah. and the tools that we have to combat it on a structural level at a like with lobbyists. Also, if you're traditionally published, every single major publisher has a government relations team and you need to be pressing your editor and your publishers about what they're doing to make sure that they're combating book bans as well. Absolutely. And the, the thing that just occurred to me, too, is if you can't find information about local races, um, your school board and your library board may be appointed by your mayor. So let that mayor know that you, where you stand and what you want and know that there's a hell of a lot more of you than people who don't think the same thing. Um, and then also write to your local representa- uh, representatives. In Illinois, we just had a bill pass uh, out of committee in the House that would protect books all over the state. And that's because representatives in Illinois heard us. So you can write them at any time. You can write your mayor. You can write everybody. Just write everybody and show up when you can. Yeah. I think the thing I would add is, you know, if you if this feels overwhelming, like, right, like figure out the person you do feel comfortable talking to, you know, like say to your your child's teacher, like, would you introduce me to the principal via email and then say to the principal, I, I this is what I care about. Right. I want kids to have freedom to read. Do you know anybody? You know what I mean? Like work your work, your your networks. I mean, I think sometimes people get really intimidated and we are like now living in a digital world where we just want to do digital advocacy. 
But you know what? You might need to like get on the phone and talk to people. You might need to show up in your library or at your school's, you know, district and have something to say. And I think this is the part that's really important is like we know that change happens when people make a stink, right? When you show up and that means showing up in a lot of different ways. And so, you know, I understand the first urge is like hand wringing, right? Like, what can I do? I just found out about this, but this is like the time for action. So we really just want to like sort of emphasize to everyone how important it is to, you know, like really like think locally, like, you know, now it's not that you can call your senators later or whatever. That's not going to happen, right? Like these are local races. They're happening in your community, in your school and in your libraries. And that is where you need to show up. And even if you don't have a child, you're allowed to go to school board meetings. You're allowed to ask questions. And most importantly, you're allowed to sit there and support the teenagers and families and educators and teachers and librarians who are all speaking out. So the more bodies in the room to shield them from these wacky people. Yeah. And remember that they all feel they have the wheels in motion regarding school boards because the pathogens of ignorance and fear are really taking over community after community um, in terms of the small groups of Christian mothers and and dads who are who are running for these boards and also screaming about books. Um, they feel like they've got school libraries and their attacks on them in motion. So public libraries really are their next target. Yeah. So but I love what you said that, like, choose one person to contact to begin, you know, a, a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And um, I really do believe, though it may sound corny, that one action does make a wave. And so that one person makes a wave, it affects other people around them. And this is how this is how you end up with creepy Ron standing before a lectern that has a stupid looking sign that says book banning hoax. But it's because people people are paying attention now. <laughs> right. Well, and I think that's it. Like there's, again, polling evidence indicates that many people are against this, but they don't know what's happening or they don't think it can happen where they live. So that's the other thing. It's like once you find out something, talk to your now. The next part is talk to your neighbors, talk to other voters in your community and make sure they understand. We've had many people listen to our episode and say to us, I had no idea. Right. I had no idea. And a lot of these bills, look, maybe they have no chance of passing, but they have no chance of passing because you are doing the hard work in your community to let people know they need to vote against it. So, you know, this is like a real time for action. And here's the other thing I will say as a voter, I literally just right now ordered my absentee ballots to vote at home. So, you know, that's the other thing. It's like April 4th. If you're just like, I'm not sure I can get to the polls that day, well, then like order yourself an absentee ballot and do what you can to like do that research in your house. If that is a possibility where you live, of course, because voter suppression, I can't even start. <laughs> that's a, that's a different podcast. Jen. It's a different podcast. Jarrett, any last things you want to add before we let you go? Um, I just want to say thank you to everybody who 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 is taking action and who's planning to taking to take action and who cares because it, um, removing books where kids can see themselves, it really has a massively negative effect on children and teens. This has been documented and shown, um, but it's also just, I think, if you have any empathy or compassion whatsoever, it's instinct to know that this is true. So if you're fighting, thank you. If you're getting in the fight, thank you. Um, and keep 
keep kids and teens in mind, especially marginalized kids and teens who, you know, are already up against a wall and need someone in their corner. So that could be you, you, everybody. That could be you. Thank you again, Jarrett, for showing up for us. Thanks, and, Jarrett. you know, anytime. come back anytime. Yeah. Thank you. Let's hope I mean, maybe for something more fun. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I can talk about romance sometimes. See, We'd love that. <laughs> Everyone has their marching orders now. <laughs> We're going right. to go to rock the vote. We're going to find out if we have a spring election. Uh, New York City, I'm going to do your homework for you. You do not have a spring election uh, for school board. Illinois, you might, because we have a lot of things going on local election-wise. And, and, and Wisconsin, I think, Jared said. so. Um, and you're also going to pop in to your local public library and say to your local public librarian, hey, I'm your friend in this what can i do to help maybe bring them some donuts that would be nice listen everybody loves a donut um all right so i wanted to, I, we're going to get into romances featuring librarians and teachers but first i want to tell you about the oscars tell me about the oscars sir so you go to bed early because you're yeah. an early to I'm bed sorry, and an early to rise i am a never to bed late <laughs> to rise um so we watched the oscars last night and i was really very delighted by the oscars everyone because i was deeply upset and and frankly quite offended that um over the last couple of years they have um they they got rid of all the like small categories right right the, the less the less um prestigious yeah, the I mean it's still an Oscar, sure, but the less like you know the sex the less sexy categories, let's say. Um, and they just decided they weren't going to do that stuff. They were going to eliminate things like best short animation or whatever. And here's what I'll say: I may be alone, but I don't think I am. I come to the Oscars for two things: I want to see beautiful people wearing insane dresses. Yes. And I want to point and laugh at them or also say, that is amazing. I wish I could also wear, wear a, a thing, slit right. that went right up to my navel. Oh, my goodness. So many slits to the navel this this yes, time. Lots of beautiful bare legs. Yeah. Anyway, and I like to, you know, comment on people, which isn't very kind because all bodies are good bodies. But like, whatever, I'm, in my, I'm on my couch. <laughs> so who's going to fight me? And then, um, And then I'm really there, though for the person who like made a documentary about something that they care about and it took 20 years for them <laughs> to find funding and to like do the whole thing and then they win an Oscar and it's like the greatest night of their life literally ever yes. and then they go back to their house in like Topeka and they just live the rest of their life with an, Oscar, an Oscar on their mantle Amazing. right yeah this is what I want this is all I want. So they brought that back this year, and I was very delighted. And I teared up a number of times, and it was also great. And, like, it was just great. There was a movie about elephants that won, and that was great. And then there was, you know, there were – there were it was just great. I had such – I had a great time. A plus, no notes. It, and the part that I liked the best – is that, you know, everybody's thinking, every, everybody's thinking their producers and their agents yes. and their moms and their dads and their brothers and sisters <laughs> and like their friends and their husbands, a whole, the whole nine partners. And then the writers get up and it's they give the two writing awards and up come the winners for the first writing award. It was everything everywhere all at once, which I mean, yeah. well deserved. 
And what do those dummies do? They immediately thank their teachers. (laughs) And Eric was like, still trying to get the A. Listen, (laughs) it means something, okay? (laughs) Honestly, one of the Daniels, I'm sorry, I don't know the difference between them. One of the Daniels pulled out a list and he said, and he was like, here are the teachers who changed my life. Like, listen, writers love teachers. And we love librarians and I can still name my like favorite teachers and name my favorite librarians. I'm still in touch with Ms. Long, who is now not Ms. Long. She's married now and has a different name, but she will always be Ms. Long in my heart. Um, Listen, librarians and teachers are the engine that keeps us going. They are the people who get books into the hands of uh, our readers and literally anybody who is listening to this podcast right now, who loves romance, is here because teachers and librarians helped you become readers. It's so nice. And we love you. We do. So I'm a teacher, but I will also say I'm... Jen is an English teacher, so she is doing this every day. She's teaching kids every day that they love books. And someday one of them is going to write something real like. Yeah. And be like. Real pervy in a book. <laughs> and that person is going to be like, thanks to Jen. Thanks to my English teacher. Thanks to Ms. Ms. Reed's romance. <laughs> this week's episode of Faded Mace is sponsored by Marie Blanchette, author of Skin Deep. This is a very cool queer polyamorous threesome set in a small Canadian town. Nice. There's a bit of a murder mystery involved and it's also paranormal. So during the summer, three times they have found the lifeless bodies of a Selkie on the river. Selkie. It is a seal shifter. Isn't that cool? Ah, Cool. Yeah. But this, um, these Selkies, uh, like the crime scene is very distinctive, right? They're naked. The pelt is missing. And so our main, one of our main characters is Louison. She is a, like a shifter herself who gets sent by her clan to investigate these murders and catch the killer. But the mission derails when she meets two charming strangers, um, Gabrielle and Adrian, who the three of them, and I love the way this is described, um, enter into, become a thruple, right? And it says it's never even close to being presented as a love triangle. Nice. <laughs> right? Marie knows our, our requirements. <laughs> exactly. And so, um, you know, she's there's this rising attraction between the three of them, but Louison must dodge tourists, deadly poachers, and wildlife protection agencies in a quest to find the murderer before he kills again. So if you are interested in um, shifter romances that have a bit of a murder mystery and secret identities, then this Skin Deep is the book for you. Marie Blanchette's Skin Deep is available right now. Wherever you get your books, you can get it in ebook for only $2.99, or you can get it in paperback wherever you find your paperbacks. Thanks, as always, to all of our sponsors, and especially to Marie Blanchette for sponsoring this week's episode. So uh, what we thought would be a really nice accompaniment to today's episode is to do just like really briefly kind of blow through and talk about some romances that have teachers and librarians as main characters. 
And we, you know, we have like mentioned some of some of these books like I kind of looked up before. Um, it's actually a lot. It's much easier to find books with librarians than it is to find books with teachers. Yes. I don't think I have a single teacher. I think I only have I have one. So maybe we should start there. And then we can mostly do librarians. Um, all of you pervs out there making your teacher books. Uh, teacher I students. mean, I was. <laughs> listen, let me be very clear. If we need. I have plenty of books with teachers in them. Sure. But I was expressly told that I was limited in the scope of my teacher recommendations. <laughs> yes. To, 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 to not that. Well, to it's interesting. Because, fewer crimes. <laughs> yeah. Um. In the, actually, uh, Jessica Pride over a book riot wrote a really funny, like one of those funny listicles um, in 2021. And it's hot for teacher, but not mine. Nice. <laughs> and Cute. then it's like, right, teacher romance reads. And it has a Was there an of, Olivia Dade on there? I feel like Olivia's done some She does ones. a lot of librarians, I think. Oh, but, is it librarians? Yeah. So it was a couple of books that I am sure, like we mentioned before, were basically teachers are main characters. Grumpy Jake by Melissa Blue, His Perfect Partner by Priscilla Oliveris, It Takes Two to Tumble by Cat Sebastian. Like these are all books we've sort of mentioned before. Oh, Teach Me by Olivia Dade. Um, so there's a couple that are like on there that are sort of like ones we've mentioned before. Um uh, a Beverly Jenkins I have not read, Rebel. From the oh, I love dares. Rebel. Yeah, from uh, the Women Who Dare series, stripped by Zoe Castile, we've talked about, um, and then a couple of other ones that I um, haven't read. There is one in particular called Roll Bounce Love that has I'm going to go ahead and say the greatest single cover I've ever seen on a romance novel. It's like a woman, uh, bold. With, it's no, it's great. It's a woman. She's kind of crouching down, and she has like really cute like booty shorts on and like long socks and roller skates. And I was like, this is a cute cover. So anyway, I will put a link to that in show notes. But I have a recommendation for a a teacher romance called, and now here's the thing. You all are going to have to just pre-order it, okay? It is not out until May 9th, but I still feel it is worthwhile. Trust in the process. This book is called Teacher of the Year. And the author's name is M.A. Wardell. It comes out May 9th, and this is a gay romance where the main character, Marvin Block, is a kindergarten teacher. He has just come back from winter break, and he is expecting a new student in his class. And that means, like, maybe something is up with this kid's family. Like, that can be a hard thing to do, to, like, move in the middle of the year. And there's, like, this – it's, like, a really – um, this author is a teacher himself, so he can you can tell he really knows the job. Like there's this really funny part at the beginning where Marvin has to go to the restroom, but there are very few male teachers in elementary schools, and so there actually is not a men's bathroom. <laughs> he just has to like run into like the boys' bathroom, and um, he when there's time, yeah, and when there's no like little kids in there, right? And sure. So, he like runs in or it, it might actually be that he's using That's like the, cute. Yeah, it's really cute. So he um, is this great kindergarten teacher. And it turns out that the his the father of this new student is named Olin and he and Olin develop a bit of a romance. And it is really cute. It's also really sexy and really steamy. And when you read the like beginning, like the opening of the um the opening of the book, it's 
<laughs> it says it actually says like it essentially in the like the author's note um and it made me laugh it said um well teacher of the year may be about a kindergarten teacher it is an open door romance intended for mature audiences hey kindergarten teachers deserve love too so cute yeah it's really cute so I, I love it yeah i'm really excited it looks i've read probably just like the first couple chapters um but i feel great about recommending it and i think that this is like a really exciting thing for me to recommend too because um it turns out that uh a guy i used to work with at my school actually sent me a dm in on twitter and was like hey do you rec do you read romance and like recommend them and i was like yes <laughs> like you have, yeah you know what i mean it was like really cute so i was like paul i would love to like get in touch with your friend and so it's kind of like a friend of a friend but it's a really it's a great cover it's a cute premise and i think everybody likes a sexy sexy book yes teacher of the year perfect while you were talking i did think of a teacher romance Ooh, tell me uh and we have talked about Brill Harper here on the podcast a yes. great deal. Yes. Um, so I'm not going to get too deep into it, but Drilled mm. as part of her Blue Collar Bad Boys book. Uh, a Blue Collar Bad Boys series is uh, a teacher book. She is the heroine is a kindergarten teacher. Um, and she is, listen, this is exactly the kind of, book that is my pure catnip the hero has been on an oil rig for <laughs> listen what is wrong with me this hero has been on an oil oil rig forever um and his best friend four years ago died and before he died he said just promise me you'll take care of my sister so he gets off the oil rig and he goes straight to taking care of his sister taking care of the sister he has asked her immediately he off he asked her to please house sit for him so like because he's not there but he has a house so like she moved into his home and like made it like she sort of domesticated the home but now she's a job as a kindergarten teacher she graduated college and became a kindergarten teacher and he comes home and she's also a curvy heroine for nice. everyone who listen there's a lot of stuff packed in here that I'm very much for and uh, then he gets home and he's like, oh, but I can't because she's my best friend's little sister and it would be wrong. And I'm really more like her guardian than I am her possible mate, except, oh, God, I love her. And, uh, you know, as if you've read any Brill Harper, this is like pure insta love. He lays eyes on her and he's like, boom, boom, gone. I want you to be my everything forever. So there you go. There's a little bit of breeding kink in here, too, for those of you who are looking for that. It's Brill Harper. And uh, I think you'll enjoy it. I don't think you'll be upset about it, is what I'm saying. You're going to have a nice time. <laughs> Amazing. I did, you know what, I will tell you, I came across another book, but I did not actually read it. But I feel like I should, like, just shout it out because I do feel like these are so, like, few and far between. Um, so there was one, everyone knows I have a, you might not know, I have a secret love for a motorcycle club romance. And there's one called. You don't mean me, you. You mean listeners. Well, yeah, I, don't know I, know. I know. I know your, I know your, all of your business. Um, there is <laughs> one called Vicious Cycle. 
by Katie Ashley, in which a um a teacher again, uh, essentially like her one of her students is um new, and it turns out that he like her dad is this MC guy, and like he had no idea he had a daughter, so he's like a dad for the first time, and so you know what, everybody, I sure did download that, and I am looking forward to reading it. Cool. <laughs> so like. That's all you. And that's fine. All right. You started by talking about Priscilla Oliveras and you said her perfect mate, partner. her perfect partner, partner, I think, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to talk about her perfect affair. So that's where I'm going to start is with Priscilla. So um, these are zebra shouts. So they're like, they're category romances, but uh, from zebra, which is, which is a division of Kensington. I don't think this line still exists honestly i think um but if you love a category if you love sort of a quick delicious read this is for you um the heroine rosa is deeply deeply responsible she is um like this this whole series is connected by sisters um and in class we've we've talked about priscilla's books before we've had priscilla on nobody really does Priscilla is like yeah. knack is is writing like big, beautiful, like yeah. interfering families. Yes. <laughs> like they are in each other's business the whole time. So um the first uh the first book or one of the, I can't remember what order this is in. I think it might be it's definitely not the first one. It's like two or three. Um oh it's two. Number two. So this is number two of the matched. To perfection series. So the first sister is getting married at the beginning of this book. And Rosa, our second sister, is like incredibly responsible and organized. She is um eager to become a li- she is she wants her dream job is librarian. Like she and there is a particular academy, like a high school academy, or it might be like a K-12, but it's um you have to like it's it might even be a Catholic school, but like she she has designs on becoming the librarian at this school and she and it is like fairly conservative. Like you have to walk a fairly like particular kind of line. I think it is a Catholic school. Um, so <laughs> she goes to her sister's wedding and at the wedding, she like meets this guy, Jeremy, and um, they like have a one night stand. They have like a hot amazing one night stand. He is like, I don't know, probably he might be a billionaire. He's like famous in some way. People pay attention to him. And they are like totally it's they're they're into each other. And um he is and then they get at the end of the one night stand they're like, okay, this is not going to happen. He has a job coming in Japan, so he's like Bye. See, see you later. That was great. <laughs> right. yes. But of course, like in that way that like decent romance heroes do where like he obviously is still thinking about her, but he's moving to Japan and she's going to be a librarian at this Catholic school. And it's just the way that it is. Jen, what do you think happens to Rosa after that one night stand? I bet she's pregnant, Sarah. Oh, listen, <laughs> it ha- everybody, you got to be better about Everybody in romance needs to be better about contraception. It's really true, right? <laughs> it's, there's like a rash of problems with contraception in these books. Anyway, she's pregnant. 
And she's and it works out. It goes the exact way a secret baby book should go. It's not really a secret baby. She tells him right away because she's on the up and up. And also because she realizes pretty quickly that this family of hers is not going to be able to keep anything quiet. So she tells him and Jeremy has a very there's, there's so much in here that's like perfect romance catnip. Jeremy has this like past with his his birth father is in prison because and he was like a terrible dad who like basically was absent from his life and so what does he do instantly he's like well we're gonna get married and she's like no listen I want you to be a part of this child's life like that's not a question for me like I want you to have a relationship with them I want you to be their father but there's absolutely no reason for us to get married and I definitely don't want to just be like some person you married because like you have daddy issues um it's really great this book if you are what Priscilla does so well is like really mine the emotional experiences of her characters. This book is about an unplanned pregnancy and it doesn't wave it away. Like this is about the sort of like we see we see Rosa, you know, really think about what future she wants for herself and for her child. We see her ta- her think about like whether or not a marriage is the smart decision for her or for her child. There are so many layers Priscilla doesn't doesn't pull a single punch in terms of the emotional piece here um and on top of it she's sort of ready to she's responsible and she she's committed to a future without him being a great mom and so when they fall in love it's because he is so wild about who she is and her commitment to herself to her own the way she perceives herself to the world that she wants the life she wants to give their child the life she wants the way she wants to live in the world as a model for their child and um it's great priscilla's a great writer this is a great book this whole series really is really fun yeah um and i think uh it's worth it. Everybody should go read it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I, okay. One of the things I should say is uh, this was fun to look for, but I don't know if she's actually still on Twitter because a lot of people aren't on Twitter anymore, but there was a woman I used to call a follow named Wendy, the super librarian. And she has like a blog that still exists. And she on her blog keeps a list of librarians in romance. Oh, fun. Yeah. And it's a very long list. It's and it says on the bottom it was last updated in 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 like last month. So I think she must up you know cool. really updated. So there's tons of books on here. And I I went through and I was really like kind of like poking around to find ones that I thought might be fun. <clears throat> some of them I downloaded again, but like didn't have chance to read. There are some really funny ones that sound great from the romantic suspense, in, including one called The Bun and the Gun. Like she has her hair <laughs> in a bun by Vanessa Gray Bartell. I haven't read it yet, but I was like, this is an amazing title. This sounds... I love it. I already am excited about it. But I also read a book called Stacked by, um, I think, Aviva Blakeman. And in Stacked, it has like... And I sort of just like start these books and I'm like, which one's going to really grab me? Um, 
Imogene is the librarian, and she essentially has is new at this library. And the other librarian, and we don't really quite know why at the beginning, clearly has it out for Imogene. So she tells her, like, someone threw, like, a... Um, like a milkshake or something into like the book return. And so, this, right. And so she, like the mean Terrible. librarian sends Imogene to go like clean it out. And so she has to like, but she's like, I can't find the key to open it. So Imogene's like literally like inside the in, book kind return. of inside the book return more or less, or she's like propped up on like a stool trying to get in there. And then she like kicks away from it. And who comes along to save her? And, gently pull her back out of the filthy book return but a local biker named Magellan everyone calls him Mags and he has like a niece that he is you know at the library for like story time that's why he's there so like what kind of local wait pause listen just go point of order Sarah no (laughs) no listen it's so embarrassing he he circumnavigates her globe (laughs) this podcast is free I feel like I'm like just end it right now. It's great. It's really like so then she um like has story time and it's the first time there's ever been story time and it's like really funny. You can tell it feels to me like sometimes you read scenes with like little kids and you can tell the person has never been around little kids but this made me laugh like it was really like the way little kids are and so she's like asking all of them like what kinds of things you want to learn at the library and the kids like i want to learn how to jet ski and she's like that sounds great <laughs> anyway it's really cute <laughs> she ends up going out to the like their like the bar like this bar that night and um ends up like picking up mags essentially and they go back and they have a very very good time she's wearing very very sexy clothes and underwear and all of it is honestly very delightful so um, you won't be disappointed you won't be disappointed and so i just thought that was like a really yeah it has like a great opening and i just really am a sucker for that basically so that was really fun This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Lumi Labs, creators of the Microdose Gummy. If you've been listening to Faded Mates, you've probably heard us talking about Lumi before and microdose gummies. Microdosing is generally known. You can you can do a Google search and learn about it on your own, or you can go to microdose.com and learn more from Lumi. Um, but in general, it's used f- to get a low-level dose of THC that can help you with productivity, um, that can help you with creativity, that can help you with workout recovery, um, that can help you with calming down with sleeping. Jen uses it for sleeping. Um, I had this kind of moment with a friend who has been using the code FADEDMATES recently to get 30% off their order and free shipping. And uh, she was telling me that one of the things that she's noticed using the gummies is that other forms of THC have just been like way too much for her. And this is like small dose of THC that will help you, as Lumi says, feel just the right amount of good. So um, if you've been curious about using THC, but you don't want to go back to that sort of like college level (laughs) dosage of THC because it never felt quite good, um, maybe this is for you. As always, uh, you can use the code FADEDMATES to get 30% off your order and free shipping. You can always find out more by looking at their website, microdose.com. 
Uh, thanks for sponsoring this week's episode. While we're talking about sexy, sexy books, we have to just name check Victoria Dahl. Sure. For Cunnilingus a moment. Cunnilingus Cape. Cape. <laughs> I, wait, um, that's literally what I wrote on my little Yeah, list. I mean, of course, right? You can't talk, you just cannot talk about librarians and romance without talking about Cunnilingus Cape, and that is just how it is. Uh, headphones in, in everyone, yes. I guess. <laughs> Uh, Victoria Dolls Taking the Heat, which we did a deep dive on in season two because we love it so much that we think it's a book that you all should read without question. Um, The main character is a writer, a gossip columnist, or not gossip, an advice columnist. Let me say it again. The main character is an advice columnist from New York City who returns to uh, home to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where there is a super hunky librarian, uh, like super duper hunky, who just really likes going downtown, everyone. Like a whole lot. There's also a whole lot of other amazing stuff in here. There's a, you know, there's a bullying, uh, there's a bullying through line about a, teenager in the book there is you know veronica the main character spends a lot of time sort of balancing like sorting out um who she thought she might be versus who you know she is becoming um there is you know there is a rich family background in this it's just a terrific it's a terrific book just it's a banger go read it you're not gonna be disappointed (laughs) um Okay, but I have two old school ones and kind of a weird one. All right. So no, I think at this point I just want to like name check things because I. All right. Well, before we name check things, yeah, let me ahead. do my. Yeah. Oh no. Oh. Uh. Then let me. No. Okay. You go. Well, I was going to mention. So one of the joys of doing this, you've all heard me say this, is sometimes I just like look up like lists, like you know, and then I find books. I'm like, oh yeah. So do you remember Lisa Marie Rice? of course right i mean so you guys i was like super obsessed with Lisa sexy Marie Rice. romances like before sexy romances yes. were a thing. like mm-hmm. this is these are probably back from like before 50 shades is my guess yeah right? like we're talking or, like, i would say the aughts yeah yep. and um like seriously there were some of her books i honestly like loved so much and so one of them is called with a librarian is called dangerous secrets i own this book and i'm sure i've read it but i haven't read it in probably 10 years but i'm about to reread it which is about like and i kind of remember as i was reading the blurb i was like oh yeah small town charity small town librarian charity pruitt right essentially is like falls in love with this like beautiful sexy millionaire who like blows into her little vermont town Right. And so he seems like the perfect man. I like really remember this. And, you know, she's like really prim and proper, but she just like, you know, is like this man is for me. But it turns out, of course, that he is not a millionaire. He is there undercover. He's like some Delta Force guy or whatever. And so, you know, he she's like his mission. But of course, 
right? Like he's like, Perfect. Is she, you know, is she really what she seems? Because, you know, this is at, like back in the day. Mm-hmm. These like special ops guys were like basically convinced everybody was like a spy and terrible. And then they meet this like perfect And woman. it's always like a nurse, a librarian, a teacher of one hundred percent. And so, yeah, listen, I, like, really jammed on Lisa Marie Rice back in the day and am pretty excited to, like, revisit this with um, good old Dangerous Secrets. Fun. Very fun. Have you ever read the Nocturne Falls series by Kristen Painter? No. You ever read those? Uh Uh-uh. They're, like, um, they're paranormal rom-coms. Kristen is a hilariously funny writer. Um. The town that they're all set in is Nocturne Falls, and it's special because it celebrates Halloween every day of the year. And the reason why it celebrates Halloween every day of the year is because it's <laughs> filled with monster mashing. Sure. Um, so there's every kind of it's it's similar to IOD in the sense that every kind of monster lives in this world. Uh, it is different from IOD in that it is very funny and light. And, like, essentially, imagine a small town. If you've ever said to yourself, I want a small town romance, but I want it to be filled with vampires and werewolves, this is for you. Um, But so this one, um, the main character, whose name is Sebastian, obviously. Oh, wait, I didn't say the name of the book. It's called The Vampire's Fake Fiance. Listen, some of you out there are already clicking. I want it. I want it. Um, Sebastian, the main character, um, has, he's a vampire and he was married like a million trillion years ago to a woman who, uh, turns up to just (laughs) come back to him literally centuries later. Um, and, um, she's like, I've seen the world now. I've sown my wild oats and now I'm back and I'm ready to be a wife and uh <laughs> and she's basically like oh and aren't uh, you're still single like I I would have thought <laughs> and he's like mm. <laughs> he's a grump about it um so he hires a woman to play his fake fiance um Tessa who is a librarian who is a librarian and uh Again, very eager to receive the position of dean of library studies at like a <laughs> sure. local thing. And so for some reason, I forget why, romance reasons, Sebastian is a ticket to this this particular position. And so Tessa agrees that she will play along and be his fiance. Um, but of course, we all know that when there's a fake fiance... Pretty soon there's a real bread. Of, of course. That, I know the way things work. Um, anyway, one, one if you've place. never read Kristen Painter, there are like two to three hundred books in this series. <laughs> and you will enjoy all of them. I actually don't know how many books there are in it, but it's a lot. Yes. And um, if they if that seems like the kind of series that will keep you happy, um, we here at Fade Mates are very pro-happiness. Perfect. Okay, the last one I want to mention, and again, I'm sure I've mentioned it before, is The Seals Rebel Rebel Librarian by Anne Calhoun. Oh, my God, Anne Calhoun. Right? 
I mean, listen, yes. this is a great, great. We've talked about doing a deep dive of Anna and, and Calhoun, and we really need yeah. to do that. We should. So she was like really, I'm sure we mentioned this, like just like one of the first people who really was like doing erotic romance to me. And in this case, the really like the part I really remember, like I think about it often is um, that. Aaron is like divorced and she's got this bucket list of things that she wants to do that her like terrible husband like really never like supported her including that she wants to like go skydiving and learn how to drive a motorcycle and well then it's great that she's got a seal around huh yeah, no kidding right and in in fact like the 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 motorcycle part i really remember is she actually takes like a class and then she goes to like actually buy a motorcycle and the guy is like such a jerk the salesman and um and like jack who's the seal um aaron is the rebel librarian um like goes to pick up the motorcycle for her so that like with a friend so that she doesn't have to like be embarrassed about driving it off the lot and i just remember thinking like this is, like, a person who really understands, like, in romance, like, the gestures don't have to be, like, right? Like, taking care of people happens in a lot of, like, really interesting ways. So he's like, yeah. you know, I'm going to teach, you know, and, and she's, and, and he's like, there's no, there's no shame in, you know, like, sort of, I don't know, falling off the motorcycle or whatever it's called. He's like, but I knew that you would be horrified to do it in front of that jackass, right? So... It's, I think they have sex in the library. You know, it's hot. So, sure. You know, I mean, I there should be, se- where this is not a characters who have sex in the library episode, no, but that's, that's a whole separate thing. That is a whole separate thing. I made a list of it once. So, you know. we'll put that in show notes, everyone. I, of course. Um, I want to talk about two old schools. What I really want, I came ready to talk about one old school romance. But then I remembered a second one. Ooh, and you're going to, you're, when I say the second one, you're going to be like, obviously okay did you ever read jane ann krenz's perfect partners yeah i mean sure which came okay this is these are both from the early 90s everyone because the early 90s are when uh these just really were this so okay perfect partners (laughs) the heroine letty thornquist is just she's like a librarian from indiana iowa i think indiana the middle the middle and her grandfather i think has no her uncle charlie has willed the company his like big giant seattle based sporting goods stores think um rei yeah he's willed he dead he he dead (laughs) (laughs) okay uncle charlie dies and he doesn't have any surviving anybody's. So he wills his like class A stock in this company to librarian Letitia slash Letty Thornquist. Um the CEO, however. <laughs> yes. I love okay. it already. Joel has opinions about this decision on the part of Uncle Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> because Letty, listen. There was a time in the 90s when everybody was writing there like you couldn't throw a stone and not hit a contemporary romance where a heroine who had absolutely no skill whatsoever was inheriting a business business. that required a 
very surly, extraordinarily hot man to teach her how to run a business. And I want to name check the fact that this was a very particular and somewhat problematic situation where it was like, ladies need to be taught how to run businesses. But did it scratch every itch and install many (laughs) buttons in me? Yes, it did. This book is absolutely the reason why, um, or one of the many reasons why. So basically, he's like, fine. And he kind of is like, fine, but also you're going to fail. And then you won't have any choice but to... Of course. Like, let me run this company. Of course. And, like, get out of my way. Except it's Jane Ann Krentz. And so what ends up happening is they fall, like, wildly in love with each other. They become perfect partners. Of course. Like the title suggests. And, um, yeah. Amazing. Listen, I haven't read this book in a million years, but it all came flooding back to me. Right. It's the best when right. I was like, there was a Jane Ann Krentz about a librarian. <laughs> um, well, she also, was a librarian, everybody remembers. So listen, this is a separate, this is I'm inserting another recommendation, which is Jane Ann Krentz is also Amanda Quick, as you all know. And Reckless is the Amanda Quick novel where Phoebe has is on the quest for a missing rare book. She's not a librarian, but she is like a rare book person. And she enlists the Earl of Wild named Gabriel, because of course he is, um, to help her, you know, shenanigan around <laughs> to find a rare book. I don't, I did not brush up on the plot of Reckless today, but I can tell you that that is the book that you are looking for. If you are looking for the Amanda Quick book about the rare book, it's Reckless. And like all Amanda Quick books, it's delightful. But Jen, as we were talking, I realized that I did know another teacher romance. Judith McNaught's perfect. <laughs> Julie. Yes, of course. Julie is a very well-respected, prim and proper English or elementary school teacher in her small Texas town who, when she was growing up, had a big fat crush on a very famous movie star named Zachary Benedict. And um, things went real south with Zachary, though. Um, This was before canceling happened. (laughs) But he shot his wife by accident on a set, swears he had nothing to do with it. Fake bullet in the gun. He thought there was a blank in the gun, but there wasn't. There was a real one in the gun. Zach gets painted with murdering his wife, goes away to prison forever. But like the warden decides, listen, am I doing this from from memory? I from absolutely the am. Times we've read it. Yes. Absol- I'm going to leave this exact podcast and go read it again the (laughs) warden thinks it's really great to have zachary benedict super duper movie star drive him around and do his bidding whenever he wants so like a big dummy he lets zachary drive him to town for his like i don't know pick up his laundry do his i don't even know i don't know why this would happen but it does for romance reasons and uh, the warden, so Zach is his driver. The warden gets out to go, I don't know, grocery shop or something. And Zach pieces out. What else? Would escapes. You- That's how it should be. Listen, escapes, <laughs> hijacks a car, gets himself into, like, gets himself to a rest stop where there's a terrible freak snowstorm. Julie can't drive because 
I don't know. Women can't drive. I don't know. She's she's. Listen, it's or the nineties. It was the eighties. It's a wild, right? But she's like parked because there's a snowstorm. She doesn't know what she's doing. He kidnaps her in the part the parking lot of the rest stop on the Texas highway, and they drive to like Colorado, which seems far. I I don't really I don't really know. <laughs> And then they drive up to Colorado where they're in this, like, billionaire's mountain cabin where they have this, like, idyllic falling in love thing. And then, listen, I won't get deep into it. This book has the single greatest. Listen to me, everyone. I'm saying it here. I'm on the record. It has the single greatest dark moment of any romance novel ever written. Do appreciate that, like, Meryl Streep and Kevin Costner are, like, <laughs> characters in this book and in their prime. So it's, you know, dated. Look, but Kevin Costner's hot again because of Yellowstone. I think it's fine. This Meryl Streep has never not been hot. Exactly. But now is the time. Revisit it. It's the, I'm going to go read Perfect right now. It's so great. It's so great. You're going to be, but also I should tell you, Listen, these two idiots don't meet until like 120 pages into the book. So just go with it. Just skip ahead. <laughs> we are going to have to do a deep dive on Perfect at some point. It's just inevitable. It's just it's so not, bad ending. It's not in the cards for this season. We have some other it's fun so plans. Oh, so good. It's so good. Anyway, Julie's a teacher. <laughs> well, listen, so am I. You know what that means? It's my bedtime. So, everybody. Um, it's your bedtime. It means that, you know, anytime you're in a in a highway rest stop, you just might meet a celebrity who obviously. will take you away. Sure. That's exactly what's going to happen to me. <laughs> Here's what I do want to say. If you do stop feeling like you don't have, that you're powerless in the face of these book banning things, right? Like, you'd have to, it's going to require some work from you, everybody. But if you love and respect the teachers and librarians who made you who you are and who are making people in America who they are right now, then you need to get on their side. And that means doing all the things we talked about with Jarrett, voting in your upcoming local election if there is one, following book riot censorship news, and just like getting out there and fighting. And really a lot of it too is telling other people what's going on, right? A lot of people just don't know and they don't really they don't they don't know so you know we have to fight back and we have to fight smarter so this is it book ban stop book banning episode two let's hope we don't have to do more we probably will though so yeah hug your local librarian they're working so hard it is so difficult right now to do that job and like that shouldn't that's not why they they didn't get into this to protect books from being banned they got into it to hand great books to people who need them. That's what they did. So we love you out there, librarians and teachers. We know a ton of you listen every week. We've been seeing your messages on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can keep messaging us. We're, we're here. We love you. And if there's anything we can do, we, Faded Mates, can do, do not hesitate to reach out. We want to help. All right. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels. I know I did that already. You did I'm Sarah McLean. I'm, I'm here sorry. with my friend, Jen Prokop. 
this is Faded Mates. You can find us online at FadedMates.net, on Twitter at FadedMates, on Instagram at FadedMatesPod. Um, this weekend, oh, on Tumblr, Faded-Mates. Um, and this weekend, on Friday, you can find us in person in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, New York, at the William Vale. Uh, tickets uh, and information at fatedmates.net slash live. We'll be there with our friends Adriana Herrera, Andy Christopher, Joanne Shoup, Mila Finelli, and Tessa Bailey. Special guest appearances by Aaron Leaf from Learning the Tropes and someone else who is going to be exciting. I'm really excited about it, everybody. All right. We love you all. We love our librarians the most, so. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, everyone else. <laughs> I mean, I can't say I love teachers because I am one. It's weird, but we love you guys. I mean, I love teachers, too. Okay. I, love our, I love teachers and librarians the most. How about that? All right. Bye, friends. <laughs>